0: It's been about eighteen years since we've had to deal with any kind of a transit strike in Metro Vancouver, so you can see why this one, even the job action that just started today, is such a big deal. And we were talking about how it is that overtime, just a simple overtime ban can have such an impact on the system. I had an email from someone who says that they are they work for maintenance for the Coast Mountain Bus Company. They didn't want me to use their name, but they said the reason mechanics and tradespeople like me work overtime is very simple. Coast Mountain Bus cannot get tradespeople. This person said other companies pay more and have a much better benefits package. And they said it's not unusual for tradespeople to work into their late 60s. And there are many guys there who are well over 65. Uh, so that clearly is an issue. Thank you for your email. If you want to send me some info as well and talk about this, send me at cknw.com. Let's also now return to one of the themes that we kind of explored in our interview with Michael McDaniel, the president of Coast Mountain Bus that we just spoke to about half an hour ago. And that is the issue of pay, especially for top executives. So we wanted to focus on one point of comparison here. For instance, have a listen to Michael McDaniel on the John McComb show this morning. He was asked by Mike Smith about the union demand that bus drivers and maintenance workers should have their pay calculated and compared in consideration to what those same workers in other cities actually earn. that was this morning. Have a listen.
1: They say they want parity with Toronto transit workers. Is that reasonable? Uh, it's not reasonable. We don't we don't recruit uh, our operators or our transit uh, or our, uh, our maintenance staff. Uh, from Toronto. We recruit in British Columbia. We do feel that our wages are competitive. We want to keep them competitive. That's specifically why we have offered more on both of those jobs uh, than the 2%.
0: Okay. So that was this morning, but then I spoke to Michael McDaniel about half an hour ago and I asked him, well, what about the top executives? Does the same logic apply to that? And here's what he said.
1: Yeah, the executives across the Translink enterprise. It's set by the Translink board and the mayor's council. Uh, it's set through a competitive analysis that they do across uh, the across the globe. Uh, in in this market, we don't uh, we don't recruit skilled trades and transit operators across the globe. We recruit them from this market here in Metro Vancouver, uh, and we feel that our our wages are competitive and where they're not we have specific initiatives in this offer to lift those to be more competitive
0: right so you don't want to compare the, the bus drivers their salaries to say Edmonton or other major cities
1: we're, we're really not advertising in Edmonton or Toronto or anywhere for that matter for these these jobs we're advertising uh, in Metro Vancouver and that is uh, what we want to be competitive in uh, we don't want we don't advertise in other areas
0: right so then for the executives though you're saying that is a global search.
1: Oh, of course it is. Yeah, I mean, we. I think two two out of the last three executives that we've hired for this enterprise have come outside of uh, Canada, uh, across across the globe. And so, when we do that, uh, obviously, it's it is up to the Translink board and the Mayor's Council to set those guidelines. But when we do search for managers, uh, at times we go uh, across the globe to find them.
0: Huh. Interesting, right? A competitive analysis across the globe. So that's what applies to top executives but not even a comparison across the country for bus drivers and maintenance workers. So let's get some reaction to that interview that we just had with Michael McDaniel. Now, we just reached out to Western Regional Director of Unifor, Gavin McGarrigle. He's been the face and voice of these talks, and he joins us now to talk more about this. Thank you very much for being here.
2: Yeah, happy to be here, Sydney.
0: So what do you think about what Michael McDaniel just had to say?
2: Well, quite frankly, I'm stunned by the hypocrisy of it. I mean, this is exactly what we've been saying, is, is that you need to compare. And this is the classic case that I think many workers in many occupations feel these days, is that uh, the executives and CEOs are a never-ending circle of comparing each other's uh, uh, inflated salaries uh, to each other, uh, but when it comes to the little guy, the regular people, uh, there's nothing there for them. Uh, and, and the other thing is it's just simply wrong about where they recruit from. I mean, when it comes to maintenance workers uh, specifically, that's why you're seeing such a crunch right away, because they cannot keep people. Uh, they do recruit internationally. I, I remember back in uh, 2010, they had to recruit um 48 skilled trades workers from Jamaica. So, you know, the reality is they do recruit uh, from everywhere. But even if you look at the argument that they're recruiting here in uh, British Columbia, the fact of the matter is, which he didn't address, is that SkyTrain skilled trades workers working under TransLink in this area, are paid significantly more than our members. So, of course, uh, people are going to. If you're trying to take a job, even with NBC, are you going to go to SkyTrain as a skilled trades worker, or are you going to go to Coast Mountain Bus Company? So, the hypocrisy is uh, is breathtaking, and um, uh, I think the public can see through that pretty quickly.
0: But, Gavin, let's talk about some of the numbers as well that Coast Mountain has put out there. They're saying the union is asking for six hundred million dollars over ten years, and that just they're they're calling these these requests unreasonable. How do you respond to that?
2: Well, again, they're not putting it in the context. Don't forget, Simi, we're in the middle of a large transit expansion, the largest in decades, and that's $7.5 billion over 10 years. So there's a lot of money going into expansion, and we think you know the demands can be dealt with by simply pausing or slowing by a percent or two the amount of expansion to make sure that the workers are taken care of. This is indicative of the problem that we've been talking about, is that they keep talking about expanding the system and hiring more buses while continuing to squeeze passengers into overcrowding crowded buses by continuing to think it's okay that passengers should wait two, three, four full buses go by and that uh, operators should not get to to take a break. Uh, It remains the case that the offer on the table contains no minimum break for any transit operator guaranteed on a day-to-day basis.
0: What about the 48 and 60 minutes that they talked about? They said that that's guaranteed and written into the contract.
2: Well, no, again, they're playing with contract language. It has loopholes big enough to to drive a bus through, frankly. I mean, they're talking about that these are the goals. uh, These are aspirational goals and that they'll have a high-level committee to talk about it. But when it comes time to saying to an individual worker, what is your minimum level of break today, there's absolutely nothing in the contract. They're talking in aggregate terms, on average, as aspirational goals that they'd like to get to. And uh, if we don't get there, we can talk about it. Uh, Our members have seen that kind of uh, double talk before, and they're not putting up with it this time.
0: So what about the mediation issue? Uh, because you know, Mike McDaniel said that they, they have said to the union they would like to go to mediation. Does the union not want to do that?
2: Well, we just don't think it would be productive. I mean, we've had 29 sessions of bargaining. We're crystal clear uh, on both sides as to what the issues are. I mean, they're putting out... Uh, These uh, figures, uh, they know exactly what we're asking for. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that Toronto transit workers are paid, uh, you know, almost three bucks an hour more, or places like Edmonton even more. Uh, It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that. You know, SkyTrain workers under TransLink are paid more than our maintenance workers. So it's not complicated what the issues are. We think all this talk about going back to the bargaining table and, and, uh, you know, asking for mediation is just a smokescreen to get away from the fact they simply don't want to have that system reset that treats our members with respect and, and, uh, you know, uh, pays them competitively.
0: They have said today several times publicly in our interview, also at their press conference, that they want the union to go back to the table. Why not go back to the table?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, they've been issuing press releases all morning about that. And I actually reached out to their negotiator um, to ask whether or not they had uh, any significant changes to their mandate. And, you know, they got back to me and said uh, they don't see the union's proposals as a basis for settlement. So, you know, until they get into the zone where we're much closer to uh, the kind of things we're talking about, there's really not much more to talk about. And we're going to have to continue the job
0: action. Is it not better to even at least try to be in the room or at least set a date to get back in the room?
2: Well, again, you know, it's a question of of the positions. Yesterday they told us clearly, they said, this is the basis for settlement. Here's our proposal on this weak uh, working conditions language that doesn't contain anything on brakes, uh, we completely reject the comparison with places like Toronto. We completely reject the comparison uh, for places like Skytrain. And if that's your position, don't even bother coming back. So until we know that they're at least willing to talk about that, it's just going to be uh, the same old, same old, and we've already been at it for 29 days.
0: So we heard today, obviously, uh, Mr. McGargal what the you know transit situation is like, bus drivers not wearing their uniforms, an overtime ban for maintenance workers. You said it was going to be decided day by day. Have you talked about what the next steps are going to be?
2: Well, we're going to be patient. I mean, it took four months in 2001 on the full work stoppage. At this stage, again, we're focused on trying to limit um, the disruption to the passengers. But, you know, regrettably, it will occur. Uh, We're going to see uh, how things go on a day-by-day basis. We looked at... Uh, moving to an overtime ban for operators but very quickly realized that that would immediately take out about 10 to 15 percent of the service and so you know we're, we're clearly serving notice that that's the kind of thing we're thinking about next and we're asking for transit riders to call coast mountain call transit and call their local mayor and tell them like these demands are reasonable and they support the drivers in the bus loop so I've been in uh, all morning uh passengers are literally uh walking up tripping over themselves to tell us uh, that they support the drivers so you know We think uh, we've got a very reasonable set of demands on the table. We think that if we're going to do this in the middle of a transit expansion, we need to get this right and we need to make sure that people are taken care of. Uh, And we've been big fans for many years of trying to get expansion. Uh, They've certainly welcomed our support as we've been pushing hard on the federal and provincial government for more funding. But when it comes to taking care of the little guy, uh, they just don't seem to care. And it's all about the CEO uh, global search.
0: But let me just reiterate the issue on the break time, because I know the company, you know, Coast Mountain Bus Company has been out there talking about that, that they said they've offered this. They have offered, you know, they've built in 48 minutes, now 60 minutes in their offer to you. And you're saying that that's not actually the case.
2: They've put those figures down, but they said these are numbers on average. Uh, we acknowledge we won't be able to hit that on every route. Uh, these remain the goal, and if we don't hit it, then we'll sit down and talk about it. Uh, you try to take any kind of clause like that to arbitration, and uh, the arbitrator looks at you and says you have nothing here. So uh, this is basically using uh, weasel words uh, to, to get out of a binding commitment. Again, the question is, what is the minimum amount of time? Is it five minutes? Is it ten minutes? Is it half an hour? What is the minimum amount of time? that every single driver can take to the bank on every single shift. And they have not even come close to trying to address that question.
0: So are you saying that it wouldn't work unless, okay, you must hit this goal, and if not, there has to be some kind of compensation?
2: Exactly. That's the way it works in many collective agreements. Say you're entitled to a half an hour break. If you don't get it, uh, then you know you get paid for your break plus a penalty. And it's the penalty uh, that actually keeps uh, keeps them honest. Make sure that they put the sufficient resources because we don't want to be paid a penalty. We just want to make sure that they actually get the breaks. And you know they're not willing to do that at all because they know they can't meet it. And I should say, this is under normal circumstances. I mean, of course, if there's unexpected accidents or things like that, we're totally willing to work with them on that. But when you have congestion getting worse and they have the gps data and they know it and uh, they say on paper you're entitled to all this recovery time but day to day uh, more and more of our members are saying hey you know unloading loading uh, getting caught up in congestion we're just simply not getting the time that we need
0: so fair to say then you are very far apart
2: At this stage it appears to be. So uh, we know we've got a lot of support from our members. We know we've got a lot of support from the public. Uh, We have a plan. We're prepared to be patient. But uh, until the company gets uh, serious about resolving these issues, we're going to continue our job action and look to escalate in the weeks and months ahead.